Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. What's going on, everybody? It's How To Tuesday. Connor, a man that takes care of the podcast, he does all the editing, the publishing, everything. This is Connor. If you hadn't met Connor, this is him. We went down to the Keys. On the way back, he asked a whole bunch of questions, and we're doing a little series on his questions that he came back with uh, after his first real fishing trip to the Florida Keys where he was filming for Into the Blue and Saltwater Experience. We did all different kinds of fishing. Some of it was new to him. Some of it he had done before. Um, but I know that one of the things that you were kind of wondering about was the bridge fishing. So what what kind of questions you got on bridge fishing? Yeah, so... Well, so one of the days we were filming out there, it seemed like you guys just kind of like rolled up to super close bridge, threw something in and it was kind of on (laughs) 20 minutes after, I think Rich hooked into what was a nice tarpon. Um, And it it seemed super simple, but I'm assuming it's a little more in depth than that. So kind of explain the process of that. So the Florida Keys are 150 miles long. There's 42 bridges in the Florida Keys. Some of those are outstanding for fishing. Some of them are okay for fishing. Some of them, I've never seen anybody fish there. Some of them go over, you know, somewhat shallow kind of areas. But the ones that are outstanding for fishing are well-known. It's not a secret. Um, and we're fortunate enough at Hawks K that one of the very finest bridges for fishing is the closest one to Hawks K. That is the Long Key Bridge. The Long Key Bridge is a... is one of the best because it always has life there. Um, it, I, I once read about a study where they put these little vials, they're these little glass vials like this, and they put them all out in Florida Bay, and almost 90% of them flowed out of the Long Key Bridge. So basically, it's like a funnel for the entire Florida Bay. Lots of food, lots of nutrients, lots of current comes out there. 
it's a big bridge with lots of structure, not unlike bass fishing or any other fish fishing like that. Fish like structure. It breaks up the current. It offers them an opportunity to feed on uh, other fish that are using that as a as a good place to get out of the current and take shelter. It's a place for that a predator can thrive. It's a place where a bait fish goes. So the bridges are very attractive to fish. They're like fish magnets. Like I said, some are better than others, but let's just concentrate on the long key bridge right there. So in the keys two, there are typically two bridges for every span across these, these big spans. So uh, the reason that that is, is because when they first built the, the, the road down to the keys, it was basically a railroad. So all of these bridges were started with a railroad. And if you look at the old construction, it has a tremendous amount of concrete in it. The, the spans are very thick. They're, they're in these kind of archways all the way across. So there's one whole thing that's like a fishing pier. Fishing pier is another fish magnet. You know, you put these things in the water and fish tend to like it there. People fish off these piers all the time because there's a lot of fish there. That old bridge is one piece of structure. Then you have a new bridge where all the cars are going across today. The old bridge has degraded. It's It was ne- very, very narrow. Today, it would be enough for one car to go across. They used to have two cars would try to pass each other on that. And some in some places, like in Bahia Honda, you can see that the railroad bridge and the road and the car bridge are together across an old bridge. So in a lot of these places, you have two bridges. Like in Long Key, you have an old bridge and a new bridge, which makes it even more of a fish magnet. Um, during the tarpon migration, man, the tarpon just go there. They would probably go there if there wasn't a bridge, but the fact that there's a bridge makes it even better. It makes it a better place for them to uh, rest. It makes it a better place for them to uh, find uh, you know, opportunities to feed. Sometimes you can go to those bridges at night and man, tarpon are blowing up all night long. The shrimp's pouring through there and they can rest in the places that there's no current behind the pilings, go out into the current and eat as much as they want, like a trout in a stream. Right. So, um, there's lots of different things that you can fish for at the bridges, everything from sharks, grouper, snapper, jacks, tarpon, I mean, pretty much everything lives there. Permit, you can catch pretty much anything at one of those bridges. Um, there's lots of different ways to fish for them, but in the springtime, it gets to be very popular to fish for the tarpon there because the bridges are generally close to a marina. Uh, bait is available. The fish are there. Guides can do triple half days a lot of times working either the Bahia Honda Bridge or the Long Key Bridge, um, Seven Mile Bridge. There's, uh, you know, a marina's close by. You get right on the fish. You fish for four hours. You come back to the dock. You do that three times a day. It's a moneymaker. So that's one of the reasons why uh, bridges are, are popular. But they wouldn't be popular just because of convenience. You also have to catch a lot of fish there. And that's what the bridges will do for you if you fish them correctly. So some bridges, um, there, there are slightly different tactics and techniques that are more productive at some bridges than the others. But typically the, the, the situation is that you get to a place, you anchor in, um, you know, some of, in an area of that bridge that's very productive. The guides have marked these bridges 
up and down. So you don't, if guides are talking to one another, they don't typically say, well, I was on the far left-hand side of the bridge. Nothing like that. If you look, there's spray paint and there's numbers all the way down the bridge. At first, you might not pay any attention to it, but you know, it's like 46, 47, 48. So somebody's gone through there with, with uh, spray paint and marked these bridges so that they knew that la- yesterday they were catching all their fish were they were caught in 47 well or in the 40s like there were a bunch of fish in the 40s or in the 30s or in the 20s or wherever wherever the fish were it gives the guides a good reference zone to either tell their friends or to go back to themselves so they don't have to you know back in the days before GPS that was the way that you did it you just marked the bridge and um so that's a reference point, but you would anchor someplace that's a productive zone and, uh, you know, usually based upon your previous experience there. Um, and you would either fish like live mullet, crabs, um, even lures. You can fish lures and you can even fly fish at the bridges. Um, but that's typically the, the, the way that it goes down and the tarpon will migrate up and down those bridges. So if you have a mullet out there, you might encounter a migratory school and you may have two mullet out there and all of a sudden both of them get eaten and you got two fish on or three fish on all at once. There are other fish that will kind of move in there and depending on the tide and the, the wind and everything else, maybe it's a migratory school and they just kind of come in there and they sit for a while and they rest. If you have a mullet over the top of them, you may catch them or those fish may move and start moving down the bridge they may uh come into contact with your mullet and you get a bite like that bridge fishing is is fun uh it's exciting you know usually you have to throw the anchor and go after the fish because you know you have all of these old bridge pilings you have new the new bridge and the old bridge there's a lot of ways and places that this fish can go around these bridge pilings. And so there is a setup that you need. You need a quick release anchor and you need to be ready to man the boat. You need to have your anglers be ready to, you know, move back up forward so that you can turn the boat and, and go down and actually chase this fish down. Otherwise you're going to have very little chance of landing it. So there are techniques in, in the bait, there's techniques in the anchoring and there's techniques in the fighting that you have to kind of figure out. And it's not, hard it's just you know you just kind of need the right setup just like with any other kind of fishing you need need the right setup so like right there under the bridge how deep is it and then like what part of the water column are you trying to keep your bait in each one of these bridges is is different um so some bridges may be deeper than others i would say for the most part it's going to be anywhere from six to 15 feet deep under these bridges. And, and of course they're going to be holes and deeper areas in some, but that's kind of the average depth of the, of the Florida Keys anyway. I mean, like you might have some that places that are, that are 12 or 15 feet deep, pretty much you could see the bottom anywhere that you're fishing. So, um, some places are shallower and they may hold fish some days. Some places are deeper and they may hold fish other days, but you're, you're, you're kind of fishing in that, in that depth of water. There's a lot of different ways and at different bridges, like at Bahia Honda, it's typically deeper, much deeper. Uh, it could be 30 feet deep there. And you're using uh, like crabs are really popular down there and a certain rig for the crabs to where you had to get the crab down to where the tarpon are and then drift it like a nymph in a trout stream with no drag on it and be able to sense the bite. And you can catch a lot of fish down there. Um, but that 
typically more people fish with crabs there than than mullet. There's also a lot of sharks there, um, hammerheads that eat the tarpon. And uh, then at other bridges, you're like other bridges are typically where you're fishing live mullet for whatever reason. It's more effective there for I don't know why, but it just is. And so a lot of times the live mullet will be right up on top of the water. The crabs a lot of times are way down deep where you know the fish are. You can look down there. Sometimes you can see them. They're, they're sitting down there. You can mark them with your, with your sonar. You can actually drive over them and see them down there. And you're like, man, they're sitting down on the bottom. Well, that means that you need to get your bait down there right, right to them. Not, not, not unlike trout fishing. Very, very similar. If you saw a bunch of trout sitting on the bottom, um, you know, is it going to be more effective to run a nymph at that same depth or is it going to be more effective to try to get those fish to come all the way up to the surface and eat something? Um, maybe for a three pound mullet, they might come up to the surface and eat it. Um, but for the most part, you want to try to get it where the fish are. So if they're high in the water, fish high in the water, if they're low fish low. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I noticed that day we were out there fishing, we kind of set up earlier in the day and the tide was coming in, I guess, but it was kind of slower. Mm-hmm. And then later in the day when we set back up again, the tide seemed like it was rushing out pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So how much does the tide play into what you're doing at those bridges? And I guess, well, what's like a more successful. Yeah. So it's everything. When we first, I, I know, I, I don't know exactly when you're referring to, but I know that one time we went there and it's like a river. I mean, it, sometimes the tide is running so hard that it's hard to anchor, that that it is really running out. Now, um, in that situation, I'd fish a live mullet because you're basically not going to be able to fish much else. If you try to get a crab down deep, it's going to come right up to the surface. It's very difficult conditions when the when the tide is just pouring at pouring like that, whether it's going in or going out. Um, so the tide plays a big factor. First of all, which direction are you fishing? Is it an incoming direction or is it an outgoing direction? One, you're going to be 180 degrees, you know, and where you anchor. Like if it's an outgoing tide, typically we're anchoring on the Gulf side and, uh, and getting, you know, our baits to be under kind of under the new bridge where, you know, right, right in there to where we're, where uh, that's where the bites are. Um, and you can see, you can see where the fish are sometimes, uh, by walking the bridge, you can see where the fish are, um, you know, by where you've caught them the day before. Um, but the tide is super important and you're going to get, uh, no bites on some tides and you're going to get all your bites on other tides. That can be an incoming tide, but the outgoing tide is that's, that's a nice tide. Uh, but if it's blowing through there so hard, you know, a lot of times maybe you get a bite or two, but. It's like when that tide slows down enough to where those fish can can really move, now you're going to start getting some bites. Okay. So I think I got one more question. So I noticed when we hooked that one, like you were talking about earlier, unhook the anchor and kind of immediately take off after it. Mm-hmm. So what happens when, so like we were passing all these people fishing from up on top of the bridge. What happens when they hook a tarpon like that? Is it just- oh, When they break, hook one? They just break uh, it off or- well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of really good bridge fishermen out there and there's a lot of bridge fishermen that go to a bridge prepared for that with heavy tackle. And they're probably going to be trying to fish the outgoing tide and they're going to probably be trying to fish it in a way that, you know, they're not fishing under the bridge 
you know, to where the fish is going to bite and go under the bridge, it's going to be almost impossible. So they would want to fish on the down tide side of the bridge. Um, so on an incoming tide, they would be fishing this way. They would at least have a fighting chance. There are plenty of tarpon that get landed off of bridges. Plenty of them. It's a challenge. It's certainly easier to land it in a boat. Mm-hmm. What happens is, I mean, <laughs> you, you need to get really lucky. Because if you look through there, there's a million bridge pilings that they could go around. If you're standing up on that bridge, you have no way to walk out there and get it around the bridge piling. So you you just you just got to hope that they're not going to swim around that stuff. With a boat, you can actually take the boat right around the bridge piling, just like your line's going around the bridge piling, and now you're back tight to the fish with unobstructed. Um, so a boat is definitely a huge advantage, but that doesn't mean that it's impossible off a bridge. You could definitely catch them off a bridge, and a lot of people do, and they would walk it all the way to the end. They'd get off the bridge, and they'd go down there and try to land it. You're not going to pull you know, a 100-pound tarpon yeah. up uh, with with any sort of a net or with with uh, with line. Obviously, that's, that's too big, but you could walk it all the way down to the end. But think about that. Every time you're walking 10 feet, there's another bridge piling, so that tarpon could move one way or another. I would think landing a fish off a bridge would be much easier if you were fishing closer to the place where you could walk around and, and get it down in there. Doing that in the middle of the bridge is going to be really challenging, but not impossible. I mean, it could happen. Cool. Yep. Okay. So the bridges, um, man, this time of the year, especially people are gearing up at the bridges. The tarpon are flooding in. It's a migratory time in the Florida Keys and the bridges are a place where a lot of people fish. Um, all right. So I hope that kind of answers some questions about bridge fishing in the Florida Keys. If you got any questions, you can hit us up on the text 305-930-7346. Or you can email podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. We'll do your best, do our best to get back to you. And if it's an awesome question, maybe we'll do it on a how-to Tuesday. All right. Until next week. See you.